Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Health Mastery Show. I can't even remember what number episode it is at this stage, but I have on with me today Peter Fishin, Dr. Peter Fishin, who I've had on previously in episode number 30 when we talked about setting up the contest prep. Today we talked all about how to return to the gym after a layoff or after a lockdown, because I know that's something that's affecting people in some parts of the US, but a lot of parts of the other parts of the world, Europe, Australia, Asia, um, I'm not even sure, but I know that where I am, it's still locked down. I don't even know when the gyms are gonna open back up at the time of recording. It's it's the middle of March and uh, it's looking like May or June and it's been closed since December. So pretty practical episode. Peter is a genius. He's a published author in both research, but also has published his own book with Cliff Wilson, who I've also had on the podcast previously. And he's also a coach and a pro natural bodybuilder if I didn't mention that already. So if you do enjoy this episode, please do leave a rating and review. I know it's kind of annoying to go and have to give a rating, but apparently that helps with getting it seen by more people. And that's what I want to do. I want to get more people on this podcast, listen to this podcast, listening to evidence-based people come on and chat all about natural bodybuilding and building muscle and improving your overall body composition, so to speak. So Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Peter Fishin. Peter, thanks for coming on again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I can't remember the last time we spoke. Um, I'm not sure if you had just finished your contest season or you were in the middle of it or towards the end of it. Do you, do you remember? Yeah, I was really, really lean. I remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you, you were. That's what I'm saying. Because when, when we first jumped on here before we hit record... I was saying you look a lot younger. I know I noticed the same thing with uh, with Eric Helms because I competed with him in July of well, it's 2019 now at this stage, but I hadn't seen him um, in well, I hadn't seen him until November because I I stayed with him then in November at the WMBF Worlds, and I just I was shocked at how different he looked. And um, because <laughs> you, you know when you change yourself, but you don't notice it, like you you notice, oh, I look a bit pluff, pu- uh, like puffier, but you don't like yeah. see it like dramatic shift. And yeah. uh, w- one thing I notice is like when people get super, like it's like when you're fat and you get leaner, you look younger until you get shredded and then you look older. really lean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you just look like you're dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you pretty much are, I suppose. Um, so, so, so you look a lot healthier now. Um, Hopefully training is going. When, when did you finish up your your season? I was done in July, so it's been I oh, it's think been a while. thirty or thirty one weeks or something like that since my last show at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty much back to normal. You know, high food, normal. You know, high strength. Like I feel good. Like everything's good. Yeah. You, you feel like norm, fully recovered. Body fat distribution is kind of normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it's still kind of stable. That that's kind of. I don't know. I always find that like immediately after my contest seasons, I feel like I, I hold fat differently and then it kind of spreads out as I, you know, hold the higher weight longer. Um, but no, I, I feel good. I mean, I, I've even hit a couple of PRs in the gym on various things in the last few weeks here that um, it's, yeah, I'm back pretty much strength wise. Um, yeah, but I mean, you'd expect that, right? If you look at the literature, it's about you know, four to six, maybe seven months, something like that to, for things to normalize after a show, assuming that you've regained weight and, and are eating more food and, and all of that. So, I mean, um, you know, I, I kept working with Cliff after my shows so that way I didn't have to think about anything. And, and I mean, we pushed my weight up and 
yeah, I feel good. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually spoke with Cliff uh, on Saturday, just a couple of days ago. Um, I forgot that you'd worked with him until I saw like a photo. Uh, on, <laughs> posted. I, I remember you saying, uh, but, but good to hear that you're feeling normal again, man. I, I do feel the same. Uh, takes me a bit the same amount of time to kind of feel normal. Like for a while, my body fat's very weird, and then it just just gets it just spreads out normally yeah. and starting to feel yeah. good again. Yeah. It's been such a long time since I competed. Now I was planning to compete next year. It would be yeah. like I compete usually every three years, uh, mm. like since well since i first started competing in 2013 um every three years after that so next year would be in you know three more years but the, the last year here where i lived uh, or, or not even the last year but since before, over a year now at this stage I, I literally it's literally finished my prep in november and we went into lockdown here the following march so basically just as i was starting to feel like pretty it was a very long prep for me so basically i think it was probably similar to yours like in length and as just as I was starting to feel normal and like looking forward to really training heavy again, then it, it, it turned into home training. Um, and it's kind of been on and off since I think they locked, they locked down until like July and then they opened from, from March and then they opened up from July to September. And then I think they, they locked down September, October, they opened December and now it's locked down again from end of December until may so it's it's and i think this and i'm in ireland but i think this it's similar enough in the uk maybe a little bit less and also a lot of europe as well it's it's quite i don't know what the word is like draconian but uh, you know maybe it's necessary like i'm no expert so there's no point even really chatting about that but it's it's as from a gym goer it's it's a real pain in the ass so i don't know if i've really made progress sufficiently to kind of warrant going through a another prep you, you know yourself it's it's difficult and you want to kind of step one stage having kind of better your, your like, yeah. even if you don't even if you don't place better you at least want to have beat your last physique and i don't really know if i could do that you know next time around um yeah i mean that's why too you know people always ask me oh when are you going to compete again you know because i just competed you know last year right and it had been four years before that and it was four years before that you know i i yeah. you know i, I when I, when I was younger, I would go two years between like, I, I did 04, 06 and 08. But then since 2008, it's been four years. It's been 08 and then 2012, 2016, 2020. And I don't know when the next time will be at least, you know, probably 2023, 2024. I don't know. I turned 40 uh, in uh, 2026, right at the beginning of the year. So um, I, I for sure want to compete that year. Like right when I turn 40, do some like master's classes that spring. Um, but I don't know if I'll do one more before that or not. Who knows? I mean, it depends on how training goes the next few years and, you know, everything else in life. And, um, you know, I, I yeah, I want to be better the next time, right? Like that, if, if you're going to take the, you know, the time and the effort to get stage lean, like you want to be better the next time around. You don't want to, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't want to just do it to do it. I mean, I, I still, you know, I'm, I'm mid thirties now. I still have enough years left. I can, you know, progress. So like, let's let's make the most of this and, and keep getting better yeah like it's yeah exactly the same i'll, I'll be i would have been 30 next year well not that i would have been i will be 30 um <laughs> but i would have been competing at 30 so it would have been pretty cool i mean because when i was like 20 i was thinking 30 is like really old um, yeah which is yeah, really yeah no my think first film i was 18 i, I yeah. had just been 18 so yeah. um, that was like 17 years ago yeah mine, mine was 21 um and that was the hardest prep I'd ever done. Um, just because it's the first prep and I got pretty lean. 
but yeah, I think everyone kind of when they get really in the first time, they they realize it, it's pretty hard. Um, but yeah, so like you said, well, I don't think I'm gonna progress. Like maybe I'll be able to bring the same package, but that's not like really what I want to do because it's not easy to prep and and for for me as well there's only one show in ireland so it, it costs money to go to the to uk to the us you got to pay flights accommodation all that sort of stuff so um it's, it could be looking like the year after and that kind of leads into the topic of conversation today and that's you know what do you do when you come back from lockdowns into the gym and specifically i guess for people who are like competitors or high level like recreational bodybuilders that may not compete because for, for general populations probably just get back into the gym and, and start eating. Um, but I don't know what you've experienced with your clients, but what I've noticed a lot is um, motivation just kind of dwindles a little bit at home, especially when you're like, even for me, I've got a decent setup. Like I've got a squat rack and a bench and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have that stuff, but I still like, my motivation and I definitely know is lower to train in my living room than it is going into a gym and yeah. hitting legs with a hack squat. Like you said, you had PR yesterday or whatever and um, hack squatting, you know, heavy deadlifting. I don't even have enough plates to, to do more than, you know, you know, 20 rep deadlifts, but what are your experiences with, with clients at home and, and like, like higher level athlete clients or co- competitive clients, how has it been for them in terms of nutrition and training over the last couple of months? And, and like you said, I know Wisconsin is, is not necessarily locked down, but I know you have clients a bit further. further yeah. Than that as well. Yeah. So I guess it depends on where they're at. Right. So like where I'm at, uh, you know, everything opened in May and has been open since. So, I mean, I was training in my back garage for a couple months there, um, you know, eight, 10 weeks, something like that, but that was about it. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm, I actually just did a workout in my garage today, you know, gyms are open, but, um, I actually, you know, I, I did an upper push workout, you know, today back in my garage. Cause I have, you know, I'm fortunate enough. I have a good amount of stuff, you know? And, and so I think a lot of it is what do you have? Right. So I have, you know, a barbell with about 600 pounds of plates. I have squat rack. I have adjustable bench. I have dumbbells, adjustable dumbbells up to like about 110. Um, I have a plate loaded pull down row. I have a plate loaded uh, extension curl, a preacher curl, easy bar, like, and then, um, you know, I got a dip belt. So I, I rig up like belt squats and, and, and things like that as well. Um, and so, yeah, I got, you know what I mean? I got a lot to work with. Um, and so, you know, someone like me, and I have the space, right? That's also part of it too. It can be really hard when like you're training in your living room, right? Like I have a detached two car garage. And other than the fact it was like 35 degrees in my garage this morning, even with the heater on, um, it's a, it's, I'm going to another space, right. To, to lift. It's not just in my you know house where I'm at all day. And so I think someone in that type of situation, like, you know, the clients of mine who have pretty elaborate home gyms or, you know, good amount of stuff, they keep progressing and you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. You know, I, you know, when I was training at home, I was like, man, it'd be nice to have like a hack squat. You know, I did like landmine hack squats or it'd be nice to have a leg press, you know, I felt squat, you know, or I I mean, I did regular squats too and you know, whatnot, but um, those are really the only things I was missing. And and so I was able to keep on rolling, but you know, someone who has very little equipment or is limited on weights. Yeah. It can be really difficult. So um, I think, you know, to, 
just doing what you can during the time you don't have the gym. And then, you know, I think that leads into transitioning back into the gym too. I think what you do when you get back in the gym very much should depend on what you did when the gyms were closed. Um, you know, like I pretty much just jumped back in the gym and kept training like usual, um, because that's what I was doing at home. Like nothing, nothing changed other than having access to a few more machines. Um, somebody who was training with bands for two months, um, you got to ease back. I mean, you're going to kill yourself. You're, you're going to have to start very low volume, you know, moderate rep ranges, nothing crazy. Um, and, and work your way back in. Um, so for a lot of my clients who had that type of scenario, when, as their gyms opened and things, we spent the first six, eight weeks, just like building up a work capacity again and getting them back to the point where they could recover from, you know, higher volumes and pushing harder again. Uh, but we, yeah, we really eased in for a lot of those clients. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's true for certainly with the people who the less equipment you have, the, the harder it is. I noticed that one because I had squats, uh, squat rack. When I went back to the gym, it, you know, my, my leg movements, it wasn't too bad doing squats, but when I did like, for example, a leg press, my legs were extremely sore, like just two sets of leg press and, uh, leg extensions. And another thing I noticed is like, particularly with people who have less equipment is they, they're, they kind of lose a bit of fullness, like definition as well. They're the bot. They're basically losing a bit of size and, and probably yeah. just atrophy, atrophying a little bit. Um, it will come back like in time, but what, what, how would that then dictate you? Do you think nutrition when it comes to coming back? Like, cause people, you know, maybe they're a bit more inactive because they have suddenly has to start working from home. They, they don't have as much just daily activity. Maybe, maybe they've gained a little bit of weight, but they, they, they look like they've lost muscle um, but they've been trying their best to to train because you know it is very hard to motivate yourself if you've got two dumbbells and a band and you're trying to do the split squats for eight months in a row. Yeah, yeah, no, and that that's exactly it. So I think you know I guess a couple things. You know, one thing is you know you can hold you do lose you know some people lose some muscle, but you can hold size with not very much volume. You know, building muscle takes you know a good amount of work, effort, volume. Um, intensity, but there, I mean, there was a study that came out a few years ago where they, they had client, they had, uh, subjects do a third or a ninth of their normal training volume. Um, and the group that did like a third of their normal training volume lost essentially nothing. I can't remember how long the study was. It was a period of months. Um, but a third of normal training volume, they lost essentially nothing, a ninth of normal training volume, and they lost very little. Um, they lost some, but you know, not much. And so I, you know, I think a lot of people will maintain a lot more than what they think they might, you know what I mean? With, with minimal equipment, as long as they're doing it, putting an effort, like they may lose some, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you're not going to yeah. lose everything. Like it's your, your, you know, like if you didn't train, you would lose a lot faster than even doing a portion of what your normal is. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, as you, as you, you know, get back into the gym as far as what to do. I mean, I usually don't recommend clients cut right away. Like I, I usually, it depends on the situation, but usually you're going to see that muscle regain and that muscle memory quicker, you know, get back to where you were quicker. If you're not dieting, um, you'll still get there if you're, you know what I mean? Like you'll still be able to see, like, it's one of those rare times you can see fat loss and muscle gain at the same time to a large extent. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
you know, I, I usually, if possible, like let's not diet till we get you back to a hundred percent, you know, again, and then let's cut. Yeah. It's, it's almost very similar to coming back from an injury, right? You typically when someone's like injured, if they're immobilized, they might gain a bit of body fat and they will certainly lose some size, especially in the injured, like Mm -hmm. limb or whatever, but you Mm -hmm. don't want to necessarily want to be getting them back into a cut straight away. Maybe Mm -hmm. kind of holding up maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. And just get, let's get back to where you were as far as size and strength. And then let's worry about cutting from there. Yeah. Um, And, you know, one thing I I tried to really focus on, um, you know, with so many of my clients working from home, you know, really tried to emphasize like daily activity and getting up and going for walks and like just movement, um, you know, because there were people, I mean, there are people who I was working with, you know, where they're, you know, they started working at home, their weight started creeping up, you know, and it'd be like, okay, well, what, what's your activity level like, like track your steps for a few days. And it'd be like two, 3000 steps. And I would be like, that's, that's why weight's creeping up here. Like, let's get that up to like six or eight, like get out and go for a walk every day. And, um, at the, you know, just get outside, right? Like, you know, you yeah. spend your entire day in your house. I'm sure there's psychological benefits to that too. I, you know, nothing extreme, you know, as far as amount of getting out and walking, but just like moving some, you know, to, to help offset some of that reduction. Yeah. And it definitely, you definitely notice it if you're sitting a lot with just pain in your neck, your back, your, your hips, just from sitting, like it's not, it's not necessarily your debt. I know it's completely way off topic, but people think it's like, Oh, you, you need a specific chair or you need a specific desk. It's like, no, you just need to move and not yeah. sit in the same spot all the time. Um, which people seem tend like if when people are in the office, like they would still move like for meetings or to grab a coffee mm-hmm. When they're at home, they move from the bedroom to the, the second bedroom. Um, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's the thing, right? Like, so when, when, you know, the lockdown started happening, I was like, man, if there's one thing I actually know something about, it's, it's working from home and like, you know, dealing with yeah. that, because, you know, I've done that for five and a half years now, um, you know, full time. And so, um, and so, you know, I, at least like I had the experience to be able to help them, like, you know, like, Hey, like you're still going to want to meal prep like you did before. Like you're, you're not going to be able to just cook fresh food all the time. You're still going to have food available. Like, you know, just some of those things, you know, um, that you would you, getting up and getting out, you know, setting, you know, getting t- away from your computer, um, you know, getting away from work, uh, you know, like, like in my case, you know, I usually walk my dog twice a day. Um, if I didn't, she wouldn't, she'd be like jumping on me right now. Um, during this call, but, um, you know, I don't bring my phone with me. I, unless I have someone competing that day or something like that, but most days phone doesn't come with me when I'm out walking my dog, it's time away from my house. It's time away from work. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you you don't listen to podcasts or music or anything like that. No, no, no. I just, I just go, go for a walk. Even when I'm at the gym, I um, must be some sort of psychopath. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I, my phone stays yeah, like in my yeah. car, in my locker. Like I don't even have, Oh really? You don't have music in the gym. I mean, I'll just listen to whatever and deal with it. You know, most gyms, yeah. have, you know, depending on the gym, like some of them have yeah. pretty good music like, and some don't, I just deal with it. But I, yeah, I just am so much more focused and have so much more better workouts. Yeah, um, that's true. It's just mentally to get away from work, right? Like, 
you know, when you're, when you're working at home, you, it's, it's always. And so, mm. um, you know, my time at the gym or my time walking my dog is like my time away from work. You know, my phone's not with me. Um, you know, just yeah. that's my time away, you know, cause you got, you got to find that balance point or else you're going to be, if you're working at home, it's going to be work from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed and there's going to be no balance or anything else in life. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember the, fr- I remember the first gym I ever joined, uh, I was there for, for a couple of years. They played like the radio. So you would oh. actually, they, they would play talk show. There would be like a talk show on. You're trying to do like squats and it's just because they didn't pay for like, I don't know if they have to pay some sort of license to play, but they, they just had like a talk show. So I needed the earphones there. Um, but to come back to like when we're returning to the gym, would you recommend like avoiding any particular, particularly damaging um, exercises like ordls or flies or these things especially i don't think most people would have would have like significant a way to do like heavy ordls if you're say you're particularly strong would you recommend avoiding those things and specific exercises i don't know that i have anyone avoid any specific exercise really been just training with bands or something like that like the first week back in the gym we might train five days balance split volume wise, you know, everything twice to be pretty balanced, no emphasis on any muscle group doing five, six movements per workout two, maybe two working sets each, you know, 10 to 15 rep range, sub failure, you know, no crazy higher, lower reps, no crazy intensity yeah. techniques, you know, just get in and do it, you know, and, and uh, oftentimes they'll be sore from even that, right? Like that, you know, that's not even very much, you know, maybe 50 working sets over the course of a week, right. In the 10 to 15 rep range sub failure. Um, and they'll be sore from that. And so usually I tell people, okay, you know, week two, the plan would be to bump volume up, but if you're really sore from week one, repeat week one again, until you're actually recovering from it better. And then let's move on to week two and try to add a little more volume. Um, and if you're really sore from that, like, let's stay there. You know what I mean? Like, so it's almost like individual, you know what I mean? Like how, how, how are yeah. you recovering, you know? And, and so, um, you know, and obviously if someone has, the more someone has the less of that, you know, the less you have to back off like that when you yeah, first yeah. get back. Yeah. It sounds similar to like the, the way that Mike Isertel would, uh, you know, increase the volume week to week with the yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of a sim. That's kind of, I don't know. I don't always, I don't program like that. Often, yeah. I, I know. But like, I, I, I say that like, that's my default way to program, but I think coming back into the gym, it's a really good, like, I, I think that that's a really smart thing to be doing rather than just blasting yourself right away. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, I, I think of like the leg day I did yesterday. Like if I hadn't been regularly training, like, it would have just absolutely, you know, like I wouldn't have been able to walk today, you know, like, but I'm okay. I'm a little sore, but not anything crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. I mean, like coming back from the gym, it's like when you're at very low volume, you probably want to try walk it up. Not, it's not like you're going back in with normal yeah. volume, then, then dictating your volume off soreness. Um, no. What about, what about then for like competitors? So I know a lot, maybe it's not affected so many people in the U S but in the UK and Ireland and maybe Europe, I'm not, I'm not that sure about the rest of Europe, but a lot of the shows, for example, like spring shows are gone. Like they're just completely gone. So the rest of the shows are like October, September time and maybe a little yeah. bit later than that. 
for those who've been training at home and like a lot of people would have kind of maybe started being prepping at this stage like is there anything different for them sort of people like i know like some people may be holding off and say like okay i'll start the prep when i get back to the gym because uh, you know i want to give you know make sure that i'm not in a deficit at home so i'm not losing muscle but then like if the gym doesn't open at a certain date then you're really struggling to get in shape on time what's your kind of overall thoughts on that in terms of schedule prep in a less than ideal scenario yeah so i you know well first off i think the stage is always going to be there um so you know if, if something you want to start prepping until you were in the gym this year like you can compete next year um and and i think a lot of it is based on you know one what do you have available and you know like you know i using myself as an example like last year when you know mar last march the world shut down like six days out from my show uh and so i ended up like you know i you know had to make the decision do i keep going or not well i had been dieting for almost a year you know i'd been dieting like 10 months there were some diet breaks in there and stuff but like i'd been dieting like 10 months and i was essentially stage lean and I knew that I hadn't competed for four years and wasn't going to for another at least three, four more. So I was like, all right, I'll just give it a couple months. And once shows start again, I'll do them. And um, I had the equipment, fortunately, here, you know, with yeah. plenty to train that um, it was fine. Right. So like in my case, it was fine. And, and I, yeah, it was a look the best I ever did on stage. You know, I think if you were much, you know, if you were much earlier in the prep process, you know, like say you started prep in February and the world shut down in March, then you essentially just did a mini cut. You could, you know, get out of that and, and whatever, right? Com compete at a later time. Um, you know, and, and it, I, like it also depends what you have at home. You know, I have I have a couple of clients right now who are in Europe that are dieting for shows um, without gyms, but they have, I mean, one of my clients has... I mean, man, he has like a full gym, you know, like, like yeah. he has it at home. Right. And so, um, you know, like with him, it's business as usual, right? Like, I mean, he has like leg press and like a squat machine and like, you know, barbells and squat rack and dumbbells. I think his dumbbells go up to like 150 or what did he say? Go up to a uh, 50 kilos or something like that. You know, yeah. like you're know, might might higher than that 70 kilos. It's about 150 pounds. So 70 yeah. kilos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, like someone like that, he has so much available that like, it really hasn't mattered when gyms have opened or closed in this country because he, he has probably trains so, there all the time anyway, though. Right. Yeah. He usually goes to the gym. I, I believe, mm -hmm. I mean, usually we're programming training for the gym. Um, it, I think he does some workouts at home or whatever and modifies what he has to, but, um, but I mean, it, like I said, it depends, right? Like, what do you have available? If you're training with just bands, yeah, you're probably going to want to get back to the gym, get back to 100% and then kind of see from there, like, what does my timeline look like? Um, but if you're training at home, doesn't look a whole lot different than the gym, um, you know, then you just keep on dieting. You know, I, I, you know, it just really yeah. depends on what do you have available? Like, your, what's your situation? Do you, do you think if you had like a suboptimal situation that there would be like, obviously you would have to, you would have to diet. Like if the, if the show was coming closer, you couldn't just keep leaving it off. But do you think mm -hmm. there would be a sub up, like a period of weeks out where you would say, okay, we kind of have to call her the day here. Like, I mean, let's say you're training with bands and you're dieting down and 
the gym's open yeah. a week out and you've trained with bands, you're not really going to look the best on stage. Yeah. But, yeah. but if that was like six months out, right, it's not going to, it may not affect you that much. Yeah. Do you think yeah. there's like a, a period where you think you would recommend somebody like would call it because I'd say you don't really want to get like too lean to the point where you have to basically recover, but you never got yeah. to step on stage as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was part of the reason why I just kept going because I, exactly. You, you, by the time I recovered and dieted down again, I, I'm not getting stage lean for a few more years. Like that's not happening. So I'm glad I, you know, in hindsight, yeah. I made the right decision for me, but, uh, um, yeah, no. So I, I, uh, it, it, that's it's such a tough call, right? It comes down to the person, um, you know, because, and it comes down to like their motivation to train at, at home and, and keep, tra- you know, training too, because, um, you know, you, yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think it's really a tough decision and really just, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's a one size fits all by any means. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a year ago when things were starting to shut down, you know, and people, it was, people were making the decisions whether or not like, do I keep going with my prep or not? Um, um, similar, similar type of thing. Um, you know, in this situation, right. Do I start my prep or not? Do I, you know, when, you know, and, and like I said, I feel like it's easier if you haven't started your prep yet to just push it back, like, yeah. you know, just push it back to next year it, where it becomes an issue is like, Hey, I've started prep and now my gym closed. And now what do I do? What do I have available? How close to stage lean am I? You know, you know, I think you have to make some more difficult decisions. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like um, last year, I, I know that in the, in the UK, I don't know if you experienced the same, but there wasn't as many competitors that competed because like not everybody had the best. I, I kind of called it from the start, like not everybody, even the best bodybuilders, not all of them had like access to home gyms, like good quality yeah. And, and even those who did try to get them, they might've been sold out or, you know, it's, yeah. if you really want to make the most of a prep, you kind of need more than just a barbell. So yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people didn't show up. Uh, the, the actual show that, that I'd won two years ago, didn't even take place because they just, they couldn't get people. I, the gym's only opened in July and the show is September. So, I mean, the, you weren't going to get people registering for it. So that actually got, got uh, canceled. Did you notice the same thing in, in the shows that you competed? Uh, I would say yes and no. So I think there were probably less overall number of competitors. Like if you had all the people up who yeah. dieted down and got on stage the second half of the year last year, it was probably less than than normal, but there were also less shows. Yeah. Um, so it really depended on where the show was. You know what I mean? Like in, in what other shows were there. Um, and, and kind of what the restrictions were and when gyms opened and stuff, because, you know, I was at shows, you know, I, I was at shows where, you know, maybe it was like a third of the size of the year before. And then I was at shows where, I mean, there were twice as many competitors as the year before, because it was like the show, right? So like I, I did a show, I did an uh, untested NPC show down in Missouri and it was in July and it was the first NPC show in like any of that state or any of the bordering states, you know, like all the other, that show was huge. It was one of the first NPC shows, period, like national qualifying NPC shows, period, here in the U.S. It was huge. It was the biggest show they had. I think it was almost double the size of the year before, and that was the biggest show they had ever had. Like, um, I mean, people flew in for it because it was, you know what I mean? There was so it's few like options. A, like a COVID and, super spreader. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah. And, and in Missouri, there were no restrictions. That, that show was basically as normal. 
Um, but, uh, you know, and so it, it, you know, so it depended on, you know, where you're at. Right. So like some were really small, some were super big. Um, you know, I, I was at another one last fall with a few clients where it was about one and a half times the size as it was the year before, just because it was, yeah. you know what I mean? One, it, there were just fewer shows, um, in, in that area. And it was one of the very few. And so, um, I, you know what I mean? I think it was a lot of just where things were, what the politics were, what other shows were options, you know, things like that, you know, some were smaller, some were bigger, some were the same size. Um, but yeah, there were less number of shows. And so there were less yeah. competitors, but there were also less shows. So it, it really, they were just as busy almost a lot of, yeah. yeah it, it, the the really US is so big. Yeah. That's the, the U S is so big and, and bodybuilding is so much bigger there than it, than it is like in, in Europe. So like there's kind of more options for for us over here there's there's really you've got the you've really kind of got two organizations in the uk you've only got one in ireland so like you don't really have much options i think in the uk they canceled all the qualifiers and everybody just got to go to the finals um but the problem was like the gyms were kind of closed so like if if the gyms are going to be closing people aren't going to be dieting necessarily for shows And, and they state by state in the us they make the the restrictions well, but but the uk was, is just the uk yeah. And stuff. yeah and it was it was crazy i one thing i will say is that some of the early shows like when things first opened i wasn't sure what to expect i did some of those early shows yeah i was shocked like how high the quality of competitor was at those early shows because i think part of it was because i mean you you probably have some of the people who are really taking it seriously and you know what i mean like that are pushing through like the lockdown and whatnot. Um, yeah, I mean, there was just some, you know what I mean? Like really, really high quality competitors at some of those early shows. And I think, you know, part of it too, is people would fly in from other parts of the country because, Hey, there's a show in this area and it started, you know, their show starting here again and there's none in my area. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, there was, the quality was really, really like, you know what I mean? Like it, at first, you know, like I said, I, I was really shocked at some of those like late June and like July shows, like there weren't very many shows, like that's when they were first starting again, but there, there was definitely like, I, I thought, you know, I, I thought the same thing, like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, whatever, it's all these people that have been training at home. I, I was shocked at like, the quality was, the numbers may have been down at some of them, but the quality was high. Yeah. I, I don't think the people who would train at home would, would, would step on stage. That's the thing, you know, cause you would just going through all of that and you, you you probably couldn't bring in unless you had like the equipment like you had or whatever yeah um, how long have you seen then like and, and this is definitely going to be individual but what's your thoughts on like how long people usually take to kind of regain or see their 100 percent come back after like a, let's say a significant period of yeah. training at home that 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 looks different let's say than the gym yeah no, I, I think what it depends on what someone has available. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard to say it for sure, but like, you know, when someone's injured, my, my general rule of thumb is like, so if you're coming back off an injury, so that would be not training at all, you know, and say, it say it's been like four months of not training a body part at all, usually within about half that amount of time of being able to train it again, you're back to where you were. So, you know, you injure your knee or something and you can't really train quads for four months and your legs shrink or whatever. Um, then once you can really train them hard again within a couple, usually about within two months or last year, pretty close, you know, with at least 90, 95% of where you were before it comes back really fast. Um, 
it might even be quicker than, you know, like if, if you've been training at home for 10 months, I don't think it's going to take five months to get back to where you were yeah. if you've been doing stuff, right? Like this isn't, you know, it, it's similar to coming back off an injury, but at the same time, it's not because you're still training. Um, so it's not like you're doing nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would think for most people within the first couple of months, they're back, you know, to where they, they were. Um, they usually come back pretty quick, you know, assuming they've been doing stuff at home. Mm, yeah, yeah, that, it's it's definitely makes sense if you've been doing stuff something and you versus you haven't, it, or if you've been doing like bands, like you said, it's probably going to take you a bit longer. Uh, but it is, but I, it's still it's still going to be fast. I would still think if you've been doing bands at home, it's still going to you you haven't lost as much as if you're doing nothing, you know. Yeah. And so it's still going to come back quicker than it than having if you know if you did nothing for ten months, then it might take a while. But like if you've been training with bands or lightweights or whatever and doing what you can, that probably come back within a couple of months mm, yeah and that's the thing people gotta gotta remember that hopefully we're not gonna have any more lockdowns in the future uh who knows but hopefully not but but one final question for you peter is uh on you you touched a little bit about activity and when i was speaking to cliff he he mentioned that he didn't really like he doesn't really like to use activity with yeah. clients and I, I haven't really spoke to any other coaches because like energy flux and stuff i i always thought that that some activity is better than yeah. than not but cliff kind of likes to use little to no act cardio so yeah what are your what are your thoughts on cardio for for, for not for health but for, for say prepping yeah for prep so yeah so that's one place cliff and i differ a little bit but um but i don't think we're as far off as what you'd think so i yeah i don't like i don't have i i the medium and high intensity cardio that's kind of like my last case scenario you know like hey we're running out of other places we can go we got to add some of that in um so i in that sense i'm sim much similar to you know him um but i do have clients track steps um but i i think it's important that it isn't taken to extremes so i think people have have you know, like you should care. Like, I think you should care about it. Like if you're getting 2000 steps a day, your prep's probably not going to be as optimal as it could be if you were getting like six or 8,000. Um, so that means, yeah, you have to go do some lists or whatever you want to call it to go walk around more, you know, move more during the day. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think you should take it too far. I, I don't think, I don't think any, unless their lifestyle is that way. I don't think any of my clients should be doing 15, 20,000 steps a day. Like, that's not something I would say, Hey, you're doing like 10,000 steps a day. Now go do like 15 or 20,000. No. Um, I, I, I think if you take it too far, it's, it's no, it's not, it's not going to help. It's, it's only going to make things worse. Um, you know, I, I think like most things, moderation, right. It, it, the, you know, I, I think the two biggest reasons that I would care about tracking steps, one is so that you don't do so little that you're not moving. Um, and two is so that during prep, your, your activity doesn't just drop off like it, it would when you feel tired and sluggish so that you make yourself keep moving. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that really, really high step counts are the answer. Like I, I, I have seen people say they're doing like 17,000 steps a day or something like that. Like I would never tell a client to do that. Like that's way more, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, you know, unless they're working a physical job where that just kind of naturally happens, that's that's not something I wouldn't say, Oh, you work a desk job and get 6,000 steps a day. Let's do 17,000. Like we would never get up that high. Like there, there's a limit, um, you know, then so you get the minute. obviously you would have to make the adjustments through diet, right? Yeah. 
do you find that it gets significantly harder then for them? Like if they're dealing with hunger and stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I just actually made a post on this on social media yesterday on, on, you know, movement and, and appetite regulation. And so there is some evidence that if you have like a moderate activity level, like it, it helps, yeah. you know, hunger in check and, and has like effects on appetite regulation. But if you're super active, like, you know, if you're doing that 20,000 steps a day, like your hunger is going to go up to match that. Um, but on the other side, there's evidence that like, if you don't move and you're getting, yeah, the it's like a J shaped curve, right? Yeah. The J shaped curve, you know, you start, you start, if you're only getting like 2000 steps a day, you might be more hungry. And so, you know, there, there may be benefits to just, and I'm not even saying go crazy, you know, you know, six, eight, 10,000, you know, something not crazy, you know, more than nothing, but not 15, 20,000, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, so, so would you, would you be seeing people getting the calories below, like at some points below 10, 10 grams, 10 calories per pound? Oh yeah. Yeah. Even if you yeah, definitely, there are people that have to go below that. Yeah. No, no, I, I personally done that, but do you find that it's commonplace? Cause, cause when you're, when you're keeping steps, if, if someone's really inactive and they're, and they get less than 10 in a prep at the end of a prep, they, I, yeah. I can imagine some people who don't, well, not even someone who doesn't lose fat easy, but a lot of people have to get quite below that. Right. And it's not yeah. much food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it's not much food. And so, I, I mean, you know, if you can move a little bit more, I, cause I've prepped people where we cared about steps and where we didn't. And, um, you know, they usually get away with a little bit more food caring about it. And, and that caring about it means, you know, for some of these people like, Hey, you know, my usual day is seven, 8,000. And maybe at the end of prep, I'm doing 10, you know, like, um, you know, and, and maybe not in the compare, comparing that prep to like a prep where it was like, Hey, I just moved less as I got more tired. Um, yeah. and I, I don't, I find that the outcomes a little bit, you know, is, is better if you can use it as a tool to help someone who, you know what I mean? May get like no activity, move a little bit or prevent that decline that happens during prep. But you know, I, I definitely, like I said, I, I don't think 15, 20,000, just going crazy with steps to keep food high. Like, I don't think that's a good approach. And so, you know, I, I agree with Cliff on that set. You know what I mean? Like, so I yeah. don't think he and I are that far different, you know what I mean on this? Cause, um, cause we've talked about this before. Like, you know, I, we, you know, he, he'll, he'll tell you the same thing. Like he thinks people should keep living life during prep, you know, and, and keep doing what they would normally do. Right. Not just turn into a slug. And I mean, that's, you know, it's really the biggest thing here, right? Is, is, you know, you don't want to be at either extreme. You just want to move, have some movement, you know, throughout the yeah. day. Yeah. That, that's a good, good viewpoint. Um, well, it's been really good to have you back on, man. Um, yeah. where can yeah. people find more about you? Uh, yeah. So you can uh, find me on social media. So I'm on Instagram at fit body physique. I'm on Facebook as myself. Um, and my website is fitbodyphysique.com and that's currently being redone. So hopefully within the next few weeks, the, the new site should be up. It's pretty close. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. My old site's like from 2014. So it, it's definitely you, needed. A do you put blogs redone. and stuff like that on it or do you write? Uh, so, yeah, it's quite, it's like, I have all the links to like, well, I'll link this on there. So all like the podcasts I've been interviewed on, any of the articles I've written, uh, you know, our book, um, you know, uh, client pictures, testimonials, like a contact me, you know, all that stuff will be on there. So it's not going to, you know, content wise, it's going to be similar to what I have now, probably 
in, you know, in terms of what's on the website, but it's just going to be cleaner and newer and look better <laughs> than, you yeah. know, my, my website right now looks like what websites look like in 2014. And so, um, yeah, this is going to look a little more like 2021. <laughs> so yeah, websites are a disaster. I spent like weeks and months trying to learn how to build, do WordPress and stuff like that. Yeah. Fortunately I have a client who, uh, uh, does web page design for, for a living. So, um, yeah, I, I have a nice, nice in, so we, we have a good working relationship (laughs) And, and any plans, any plans to kind of publish anything, any reviews or anything like that in the near future? No, um, I got a few talks scheduled for this year, assuming all goes well, some are virtual, some are in person. Um, so definitely, definitely some, you know, talks coming up, but no, our, our book was a lot of work. I don't know. I don't know how Cliff's writing another book after that. Like I, I needed no, like, not, not books, but like uh, papers, papers. Um, not at the moment. Um, I, I've done a, some consulting on a couple of like grad, you know, research projects. I don't know if either of those, you know, anything from that will get published, but, um, no, not a ton. I've, I've been more so on the coaching end of things, you know, I don't know. I really enjoy coaching. So I, yeah. um yeah does it get like clients. stressful trying to like pop i mean is there the the cons outweigh the pros for trying to when you're when you're trying to publish unless you're like a unless you're part of a faculty and you kind of have to publish yeah i mean i still enjoy like science though i mean i got a phd and went to school yeah. for a decade i've done a lot of this but um, so yeah, I still enjoy the process. I still enjoy the science, reading literature, all of that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of time, you know. And and so, um, like I said, I, coaching it's been a lot of fun. And I, I really, I have a lot of clients. You know, since there weren't really, you know, a lot of people's 2020 didn't turn out as planned. So like 2021, there's a lot of people shooting for shows. You know, I have a few this spring, but really, like like you said there too. You, you know, here in the U.S., there are spring shows, and there's shows that have happened already this year. But um, you know, a lot of my clients are shooting for more like summer, fall, you know, type shows or a lot of people, you know, who started prep early this year for summer, fall. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm excited to have a whole, you know, a whole new group of people to get on stage this year. Yeah. Uh, all the best with them as well. Hopefully it goes well. I know you're bringing your clients in uh, really, in really good shape. One, one last question. I, I, and we never even brought up that you had like a PhD, but I just assume people knew who you were. So you're not just a coach, but you're like a, a published scientist. Um, but where can I learn more about statistics and how to, <laughs> how to be proficient at statistics? I, I don't know. Um, you know, that's a really, really hard one. I don't know if I have a good resource. I had a, cause I had a professor, I had a couple, actually multiple professors during my PhD, you know, told me, they said, you know, class in grad school, you know, a lot of the classes you take, you could learn that stuff on your own when it comes to like nutrition, exercise, science, yeah. like you could really learn it on your own. Um, it, but this classes you really need are statistics. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like I had, I had multiple professors, you know, tell me that during grad school, like the classes that you really need to go to class and like, you need to learn is, you know, statistics like it. I, yeah. I don't know if I have a great resource other than like, Go to class. class. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, fortunately, went to classes. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I think like I remember before my current masters, I was doing a one in, in diet and health, and uh, they would just do the slides, give you the slides, and they're they actually it was because it was online. They would give you the slides and then say, "Here's your here's your uh, 
like here's your assignment it's due in 12 weeks and you would have to just go and read it's like there's literally like no teaching in some of those things uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah i i took i took 14 credits of grad level stats during my phd so i had three different classes one was five credits and two were four credits they were ungodly time consuming <laughs> some of the like hardest worst class you know I, but I, I don't know. Stat, I was always really good at stat. Like it always made sense and came, came easy to me. I was always, I was always someone that was good at thinking through processes and not really memorizing. So like memorize, like on my grad, like my GPA in like grad school was better than it was in undergrad because in undergrad, it was a lot more memorization and spitting yeah. things back. And I'm not that great at memorizing stuff, but like the, the thinking through processes and having to like, you know what I mean? Like work through things. I, I, I don't know that I, I've always been better at that. Yeah. So, so I guess I just have to go to class more or revise a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know if I have a good resource for staff. I'm sure there's some out there. I mean, there, there has to be, you know, like there's gotta be like the equivalent of like, you know, like mass research review is, yeah, yeah. you know, like the, the statistics like, research like, review, just a lot yeah, of there's, really there's, nerdy there's, math like, people. <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be some math people that have some sort of statistic equivalent. Or if there isn't, then if there's any math people listening, they should probably create the, yeah. the statistical equivalent of that. But I don't know if it's something I'd be really looking forward to every month. But <laughs> but anyway, P- Peter, it's great to have you on and uh, I hope to chat to you soon, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. So if you made it this far, guys, thanks for listening. Um, always do really appreciate people listening to the podcast and uh reaching out to me and telling me that they enjoyed the episode or sharing it it's always nice to know that at least one person has listened to the episode other than myself so if you do enjoy hit the subscribe button or whatever other button keeps the podcast coming in because i always have great guests coming on in the future and and plans for the future but also some really good guests who've been on in the past and if you do actually have any recommendations for guests that you would like to hear in this kind of sphere or in this eco chamber so to speak then let me know because a lot of the people who come on the podcast are recommendations from from people who listen to the show and ultimately that's who i'm serving so thanks for listening once again and i will chat to you guys in a future episode